Hey, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Southside Trap Podcast, the podcast that helps you stay on side with the Chicago Red Stars. It's your girl, Sandra. Ready to dive into a Chicago Red Stars preview for the fall series. Chicago Red Stars are going to be kicking off their very first match of the NWSL fall season. They're going to be taking on Washington Spirit. There's some things to get into here, folks. Some news we'll discuss, and I couldn't do it alone because no one can ever do anything alone. So I'm here tonight with my friend, homie, and colleague, Claire Watkins, a.k.a. The Scam Originator. How are you doing tonight, Claire? I'm good. Um, as always, I wish we had more to talk about. But, you know, I, we you know. could talk about how the sky are kind of putting us through some things right now. Yeah, the Chicago, well, we could talk about the Chicago sky if we need <laughs> I don't know if we want to. We could talk about them. Maybe uh, they're having a rough time at this moment when we're recording. We were watching the game prior to hopping on here. We wish them the best. Yeah. That's what you say towards the end, right? Just not unlike the Chicago Sky. I've got like two quarters in me before I have to like mentally and emotionally step away from what I'm witnessing. Yeah. And then we were like, you know what we should do? We should record a podcast about the Red Stars. About the Red Stars. (laughs) That's what'll make it better. So here we are uh, ready to dive into this stuff. Uh, Before we get into kind of outlining what a preview looks like, just want to give all our listeners a heads up that this is going to be a semi-special edition episode. We were invited to participate in a podcast episode with our friend, homie and colleague Jason Anderson and Plex Weather Podcast, which is the Washington Spirit Podcast. So towards the end of this episode, you are going to hear some real uh, takes, right, in terms of how we're going to be getting into the game and the opposition against the opposition and also representing for the Red Stars on that podcast as well. So enjoy the duration of this episode before we start outlining that and leading into that for you guys, the news that we want to talk about right before this game kicks off as at the time of this recording, there has not been a roster that's been released, but there was some player movement that has taken place ahead of the red stars match. So the fearless Yuki Hagasato will be spending time. The remainder as a matter of fact of 2020 in Japan And uh, kind of a historic move. She's going to be playing uh, as the first woman professionally for Hayabusa 11. It's an amateur men's club, part of the Kanagawa Prefecture League. So we were pretty hyped to hear that. I know you and I had a similar reaction, Claire. We were like, this is uh, this is God tier. I think it's it's perfect. It's the best idea ever. So backstory on this. So this is the second division league in Japan. So not full pro, um, though I do think basically in in the in the wording of the loan, they said that she's is playing professionally. So they worked something out that she would become, you know, a professional rostered member. I think they're probably semi-professional, something like that. Her brother plays for that team. She's playing on her brother's team. Um And I just, it's just, it's perfect because first things first, obviously with a player like Nagasato, after something like the challenge cup, the first thing you hope for someone like her is that I hope she gets to go home, right? I hope she gets to go clear her head, go be amongst her people, go be amongst her family. Um, and that, and so it's great to get confirmation that she was able to do that. Um, and then when you have that situation, you know, this, the next step is like, okay, so how can you continue to play soccer? Um, and I just can't think of a better situation for like 
mind, body, soul alignment for someone like Yuki Nagasato, rather than just literally being around her family, training with, with men, which I think is really valuable in a lot of different ways. Um, and just getting to do this her way. It's a different kind of thing. Of course she went and did just like the wildest, coolest thing. Um, because I think for a player like Nagasato at her stage of her career and and her life, I don't think that it's good enough to, to just be like, I'm going to go to Sweden or something. I think that there has to be purpose, purposefulness and, and mindfulness behind that kind of a decision. And this just seems like the exact perfect thing to do for her. I think when it got announced, that was part of the reaction, right? Where it was like, oh my God, it was like, this is next level, right? But at the same time, it was like, actually, this is a little unsurprising. Like, of course, of course, this is a step that a player like Yuki Nagasato would take uh, for herself in a in a year like 2020, right? Uh, so shout out to her. I hope she does well. Uh, for everyone who has been joining us with our, our journey on the Patreon, thank you. Uh, we did a little uh, house cleaning this week. So what we did was we made a piece of work unlocked for everybody. We went ahead and we put it on the southsidetrap.com website. There is an interview that I had with Yuki Nagasato in the end, basically, of the Challenge Cup. Uh, the Red Stars were already heading into uh, what was going to be their final. And she was so gracious and kind enough to spend some time with me to talk about her art, guys. And that was really dope to talk about all of the art that she was creating and sort of the transition of how that started, why, and kind of what it turned into uh, for herself personally and honestly for her teammates. Because uh, if you guys were paying attention to all her stuff, whether it was her videos or her socials, uh, she ended up doing a lot of painting for herself, but then ultimately for her teammates. So it was really kind of her to chat with me about that stuff and let me into her creative process. And it was a really dope piece that I enjoyed doing. And uh, we went ahead and unlocked it for you guys just to let you know, hey, we're still here. There's another round of soccer that's going to kick off and we're going to be here with you for the duration of this ride. So check it out if you get a chance. Yeah. And I, the thing that I really loved about that conversation that you guys had was, was that Nagasato was also very open about some of the struggles that she had had, um, through the year. And, you know, everybody knows this about, about Yuki, which is that she, there's nothing that she does in her life that she has not really thought through. Um, and, and she's very mindful and she knows how she feels about things. And, um, she talked a little bit in that, in that conversation about the connection of the mind and the body and how she felt like, you know, when she couldn't get her mind and her emotions right, that that affected her physically in addition to, you know, the physical rigors of, of jumping in and out of training and stuff like that. And how painting has been useful for her, especially after she got shut down mid tournament. Um, and so I think that, you know, it's, it, it's a through line from, from that to kind of seeing how she's deciding to spend the rest of her 2020 where you're like, of course the fall series doesn't make sense for her. She shouldn't, she shouldn't do that, you know? Um, and, and that this, this is just such a great solution. And, um, I think that all of Chicago's loans have made a ton of sense. You know, I think that there's a reason why through this period, there hasn't been any panic or any big jaw dropping news or anything like that, because I think that it is a club that is always in communication with its players about how they're doing and how they're feeling and what they need. And I think that that's great. Um, leading us to maybe talk about what we do think Chicago will maybe look like this weekend, which is that they're, they're going to be, 
they're going to be, it's, it's a comp, it's a complicated thing. Cause when you say that they're going to be largely intact, is that like, there's not, I just don't think there's going to be anything shocking to anybody. Like the challenge, it's going to be the challenge cup roster, which we already son, saw a ton of depth used there. You know, it's like kind of our conversation with, with Scott Parkinson, right. And you're going to have people coming back from injury. Um, we don't know about any opt-outs yet. Um, you know, we're not keeping any secrets from you guys. You know, we have the same suspicions as you do, but we, we don't know. Um, and, but, but the thing is, is that I just don't think there's anything about this team that even if you do have one or two players who are like, you know what, this isn't for me, I can't do this. Um, I just don't think it's going to rock anybody's world. I think that you're just going to see development from the same players that we saw maybe begin development in the challenge cup. Um, and yeah, and another throw, you know, throw to the Patreon. I did some, some red stars to watch this week and I stand by all of those. I, I did that for our Patreon. I think that all of those players will, will hopefully play. And, um, that's exciting actually, because we saw some stories kind of begin at the challenge cup, right? We saw Zoe Morse's story kind of begin and we saw Bianca St. George's story begin. And we saw the Zoe Gorowski at outside back project kind of begin and it is actually exciting and interesting to see the Red Stars get the opportunity to develop some of those rather than have that just be the only thing that happens in 2020. And then we'll see you again post expansion draft, maybe, you know, so I am excited to see some of those storylines develop. Absolutely. I'm right there in agreement with you. If you guys have not checked out that piece yet, go ahead and do it. We hit you guys up with a lot of stuff this week. So there's a Yuki piece. There's the players to watch out for. As always, for the game days, we're going to hit you guys up with a preview. I'm going to go ahead and do that for you. Claire's going to hit you guys up with a recap and thoughts. Um, so there's definitely still time to, to join in on all this stuff that we're building with the community and the Patreon uh, right ahead of fall series. So um, check it out if you've got the time. Uh, but in terms of players, right, we always talk a little bit about this guy. So we're actually going to hit you guys with this now, as opposed to the end. Cause technically we're nearing the end of this Our mini segment. intro to yeah. the ep larger episode. Uh, we always hit you guys up with sort of what we want to see out of the red stars going up against the team. Um, you know, that whatever opposition that they're facing and then kind of maybe narrow it down on specific players who we'd like to see have an impact. So I'm going to go ahead and start that process. I, I would like to see the Red Stars just try some things. Honestly, I'm, I'm ready to continue that project that we saw going on from the Challenge Cup uh, without even really having an official roster in front of us. When, again, based off of our conversation that we had with assistant coach, Scott Parkinson, I think it's fair to say that it'd be, it'd be great to just be able to see them continue that work that they started in the fall series. And um, I'm looking forward to, to seeing that build and not just for the players, but also for the staff that's involved. I mean, you had a coach like Parkinson and a coach like Sitch who have said that, yes, they have played against Chicago for somebody like Sitch. She's played with Chicago, but this is their first year integrated as coaches. So it's kind of still this building year, right? For so many amongst the team, including a lot of these new faces, new talent, first-year Red Stars, and even second-year Red Stars, right? So I'm looking forward to continuing that slow build and maybe seeing if they were able to pick up where they left off because we saw Red Stars team kind of grow, right, a little bit stronger, even with picking up some knocks throughout the duration of that tournament, and they made it all the way to the final, right, the cup final miraculously despite all of those uh, obstacles and challenges in their way. Um, but for me, 
in terms of a player specifically or two that I'd really like to see make an impact. Uh, Claire, I think maybe you might be in semi-agreement with this, but we're just not going to stop talking about Katie Johnson on this podcast. Uh, We really enjoy what she brings on that top line. Uh, We think that she's a really great connecting player. And uh, again, really like to see a player like that pick up on what they built off of in that challenge cup. I mean, I think that semifinal might've been her best game, right. In terms of what was going on, what we were seeing out of that top line and that rotation during the challenge cup. So I would like to continue seeing a player like uh, Katie Johnson. And of course I'm going to be keeping an eye on uh, Cleo high because Cleo high Watt, because uh, you know, they, they picked her up for a reason and she was another player who was doing a lot of great stuff. So how about you, Claire? Yeah, I think, um, right. So the biggest question mark is who's going to start up top for Chicago because they've, a lot of their attacking players are out on loan. Um, you know, at least two of their starters, I think in every single game is out on loan right now. So, um, I think Watt is a shoe in for sure. Um, and, and the thing, maybe like my, my dream a little bit, what I would love to see is, some of the connections that we already saw in the challenge cup be given a little bit more room to breathe. So if we're talking about like St. George's and Watt or St. George's and McCaskill and then McCaskill and Johnson, like, I just think that there are, there are these different lanes of attack and, and developing through the ball um, that it just, you know, I not to like agree with the coaching staff, but it does take time. And I think that, the idea that Johnson and McCaskill are getting even more time to work together, I think is really, really great. Um, I think obviously the mainstays of Colaprico and Gatra will be very helpful there as well. Um, so I don't actually know. I don't know if they're going to start with a three front. I don't know if they have the players for that. It might be a two. I'm, I'm not, I really don't know, but um, you know, when, when you looked at their passing lanes in, in the challenge cup, they were really good at kicking things outside and then they struggled to get things back centrally. And so I'm excited to see how maybe the attacking midfield and players like Katie Johnson and Kalia Watt can work together to, to progress that, to progress that forward. And, um, and then I would say the other thing is when it comes to leadership, because this is going to be a younger red stars team. I think that we, that we see during this series is I think I'm very excited to see um, Sarah Gordon as kind of the linchpin in the back, um, as the, she's, she's the veteran back there. Um, I, I think, I mean, obviously Alyssa Nair will be a big part of that as well. I'm, I look forward to seeing those two work together. Um, and then you're going to have Gatra and Colaprico hopefully in the middle and then Watt up top. So I think that those players have an opportunity to take that next step that quite frankly, you know, we didn't always see during the world cup period last year, to in a much calmer, more conducive environment to just be like, okay, so now I am the veteran and it's my job to tell these kids what to do. And I think that that is very exciting as well, because my big thing with this whole series is that this is just room to breathe and it's like room to develop. And I think that that is good. I think that, you know, it's like they were saying before the challenge cup, the NWSL is so cutthroat and so competitive and you're going to play your best, most competitive, most vicious players always, if you can, but that's just not the case with this. And, um, I think that's going to be cool. I'm really excited about Morgan Gatra. I just really want her to like take over 
this whole thing because because this is going to be a series that's missing like a lot of quality midfielders so i'm excited for her to have the opportunity to to do some stuff yeah it was really nice to hear and actually see because you know we've been seeing on the socials right uh training photos and stuff like that and seeing a player like a troll like be available participating in training hearing from one of her coaches that they like what they're seeing from her right the midfield uh feels looks and acts a different way right when morgan Gutrell's like healthy and available for that midfield she brings that real kind of calming presence you know on the pitch on the ball for the team and uh i think on the other side of that what you already alluded to Claire was, yeah, I think there's also going to be some searching and looking for who's going to be the the pointer, right? The pointer and the yeller, because you got to have the pointer and the yeller. And sometimes they come in the form of one person and maybe sometimes there's just one pointer and just one yeller. Um, so, so we'll see. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm looking forward to, even though we kind of have an idea, right? Still seeing something about still seeing that, you know, official drop. And um, I want to get honestly, excited for some local kids. You know, I was going to say, honestly, yes. I, I would really love to put a name to some of these faces. Yeah, for sure. That we're seeing on social media that they're already promoting within their trainings um, and finding out about their backgrounds because we know, again, thanks to Scott Parkinson, that they've they, it introduced, had a lot of invitees into training. So, we know that uh, head coach Rory Dames has uh, great connections, right, throughout the, the great Midwest. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who maybe was able to make an impact, right, maybe make a name for themselves within some of these trainings and to sort of see if they were able to sneak in a little bit. Uh, rosters might be looking a little slimmer, right, for this fall series. We're just going off of maybe what we've seen from other teams that have been releasing their rosters. You know, we saw a team like Sky Blue announce theirs because Spirit and Sky Blue have already had a game. They were the opening match for fall series. We recently saw North Carolina Courage and recently saw Houston Dash and, and their roster. So some of these where you're looking at like what, 18, 20, that's, that's what we saw coming out of, I think it was North Carolina specifically. So it'll be interesting to see if there's anything added in terms of uh, this larger, maybe training roster that we know has come to exist for Chicago since, you know, roughly mid August or so post challenge cup. Right. So we'll be looking forward to, to seeing some of that stuff. I hope you guys look forward to this next portion of the episode. We're going to take that deep dive with Jason right now. Stay tuned. The sky lost. Oh guys, this is a, this is a Chicago teams that <sighs> talk about losses pod. Sometimes it's hard to be strong, you guys. <laughs> 2020 is all about the testing your endurance, guys. Stick around. We'll be here with you. And with that, uh, for the first time, I'm going with uh, guests that are not affiliated with the Spirit. Uh, I'm instead going to bring in my friends from Southside Trap Pod. Sandra Herrera, Claire, Wil- Claire Wilkins, if I can't even speak, to do the podcast. Claire Watkins, welcome to Plex Weather. What a great introduction. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having us, Jason. <laughs> I feel at home. All yeah. Right. yeah I'm, We're pod buddies. 
we're we're going at at top speed. Uh, I definitely not making mistakes. Well, I guess you've come on because the Chicago Red Stars are coming to uh, not not DC. They actually won't be in DC. I don't think uh, they'll actually be quite far from DC to play to play against the Spirit this weekend. Um, and I guess the main question I have at this point, um, and I know from talking to you guys that I, I kind of know what the answer is uh, to a certain extent, but what's going on with the Red Stars right now? Like, who are they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a good question. So You asked us here for answers? Yeah. Um, well, at least a discussion. We might not get to an answer, yeah. but we might get closer. We can't speak definitively. Um on on who the red stars are or uh what they're doing well that's actually not entirely true so we we're joking about it a lot but um yeah so chicago hasn't put a roster out yet uh the spirit famously didn't put a roster out before they played um they had one i, I think in there did you get a full roster yeah, I, I got i got game notes so that they, doesn't they had... count no no it, it has to have... be it did have the official roster in it. Okay. Um, in it. They just didn't send an email. All right. Well, that's a buried lead in my opinion, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so, so we don't know still, we'll probably know by the end of this week. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the thing with the red stars, that's always true. And Sandra and I joke about this all the time, which is that we do, we, we rage, we raged before the challenge cup about how we didn't know anything and then we're raging now about how we don't know anything. And then they show up and it's like, oh, it's the Red Stars. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's my favorite you know. version of the Red Stars. Is they're just like, you dumb bitch. We've been here. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and then yeah, I'm like, I mean, oh, that's right. Thanks. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, we're, we're recording this on Wednesday and you're, you're going through exactly what uh, anyone that wanted to cover last week's game was going through at this point, which is to say, I'm pretty sure I know most of the players, but you know, maybe there's a surprise. It could be a big one. It could be a small one. Um, just, I think literally just today, was it that, uh, Yuki Nagasato announced her loan to, um, the awesomely named Hayabusa 11. Um, yep. Sh- shout out to all the listeners that also follow the Kanagawa prefecture second division. <laughs> I think I have that correct in my head. Um, so we know she won't be there, which is obviously a big loss, but also they kind of played the whole challenge cup other than, other than that first game, they played the whole thing without her anyway. Um, and I guess that that was the first thing on my mind was that the player that at least to me, it seemed like got the minutes as the result of her being injured, uh, seemed to be Rachel Hill who didn't really do a lot with those minutes. Um, What's uh, when he when when Rory Dames brought her in? I thought, okay, she's going to be in the mix, but not maybe not going to play all that much. Maybe like an often used backup at best. And instead, she appears to be like kind of a full time starter. Uh, what what goes into that? What is what is what are the uh, Red Stars looking for there, and why it hasn't it worked yet? If if it hasn't, I feel like it hasn't. Yeah, you know, a thought that I did have this week was, so Rachel Hill is actually one of our known properties. We know that she's in Sweden playing for Linköping. Um, and I, I actually had the thought. I missed. I, yeah, so she's she's yeah. out. No, it's okay. It's okay. No, it's good. I have an answer for this. Um, okay. So, so I had the thought this week that I'm not sure. I'm actually not sure that her being in Sweden is the best place for her to be right now because 
she was being asked to do a lot of things in Chicago's attack. And I'm not sure it's the best use of, of her time to not be getting more reps in with the team. Um, so, so what we're looking at attacking wise is kind of, there's there, I'm not, we were, you know, Sandra and I were talking about this earlier. Like we're not entirely sure. We know Kalia Watt is going to be very prominent for them up top. Um, obviously Katie Johnson is in camp as well, though she moves centrally outside. It's not entirely sure where exactly she would be. Um, but Mackenzie Doniak and Rachel Hill are both overseas right now. So, um, the thing that we saw, especially in the challenge cup final was a red stars team that was asking Rachel Hill to really come up with something for them. And they struggled with that. And Mm. so, and one thing that Scott Parkinson actually told us this week as well is that they, one of the things they've been focusing on recently is when a play, one of the, one again, one of, one of their known quantities, someone like Danny Colaprico or Morgan Gatra has the ball. They need people to be making multiple runs when maybe in during the challenge cup, you saw players making the same run. They were all having the same idea and they weren't diversifying that enough. So I know that the red stars have been working on diversifying passing lanes and the attack. Um, I actually think it's too bad that Rachel Hill isn't there to be part of that. Um, so the, the good news is that the question, the basic question of who's providing the answer for Chicago um, is definitely relevant. Um, it's too bad that Rachel Hill won't be there to to kind of be part of the solution, I think. I'm in agreement. I think that um, part of the big thing that we were looking forward to in covering more games in 2020 for the Red Stars was that they it was evident that they were going into Challenge Cup with a very specific uh, game plan, set of rules, whatever you want to call it, right? Um, the coaching staff told us as much. We had Rory Dames on prior to fall series admitted as, as much. And then we saw it play out during challenge cup. I mean, you can even extend that into the off season into draft day, right. For this team where it was evident that they were uh, trying to take a different approach when it came to establishing an offense for Chicago, a team that has really built and relied on a sole striker for years all time basically mm-hmm. within its nwsl history right so you're talking about getting a forward like kalia watt you're talking about uh, you know making a move for a player like Mackenzie doniak someone who was rated really high in that draft class and then has kind of become a a journey woman within this league and then that included getting a player like rachel hill which maybe for some people on paper that might have made a lot of sense uh maybe a year ago right maybe now maybe didn't make sense but they went and they made moves for these players to add on to forwards that they already had on their team in players like katie johnson and, and savannah mccaskill and then seeing that kind of play out in challenge cup there were a lot of question marks right that was a constant that was a constant narrative coming in and out of the games like where's the goal scoring what are you trying to do it's not working so with the concept of utilizing 2020 as a building year right and building mm-hmm. on and the importance of having chemistry together which we've heard players speak about specifically Kalia Watt saying on record in her I think it was pregame conferences that the goals were going to come with time that it's it, that they felt like they were getting stronger that it was about chem- building chemistry so to get games and get them not with the club that it's your first year with is a little 
I, you know, I think it's, it's fair to say it's a little questionable that you're a little maybe confused. You're just kind of like, okay, well, yes, it's important to get games. This is a very weird year. Everybody's trying to navigate it the best they can. Right. I think, uh, in hindsight, we're going to look back on it and maybe say, it's good that people just got games, right? Because athletes need games, right? But I mm-hmm. think now in the present, in the moment, when you're like, oh, shit, man, there's actually more NWSL games. Maybe that's that decision. Maybe you're kind of like, how's that going to end up working out in the long run? Um, because there are forwards here that are still going to continue that build, right? So I think that's something that everyone's going to be looking for on this match. I think it's also interesting. I wanted to throw this back at you, Jason, because because mm-hmm. it seems like from the first game that we saw, it's 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 nice. We're sitting in a good spot right now because we at least got to see the spirit play already. Um, that they also had some questions about what was going to happen in the attack, especially you know they had some shakeup in the midfield. They've got some injuries they're still dealing with. I think Chicago is going to have some of those too still. Um, and and you have players like Ashley Hatch and Ashley Sanchez who are trying to make things happen, but not necessarily connecting with that fluidity that you might be looking for. Um, so I think it might be interesting to see that on, on both sides of the ball um, with both teams. Yeah, that's, that's definitely, it wasn't helped by um, Ashley Sanchez had a, a blood blister that they basically, they had to sub her off and um, she eventually made it from the locker rooms back to the benches, but was in like Adidas slides and was just very gingerly walking um, which, you know, if anyone has, if you're listening to this and you've played some on turf, I know some people get blood blisters really bad on turf. It's just a thing that happens. Um, uh, Andre Carlisle from black and red United said the first thing I, when I mentioned that he was like, Oh, that happens to me all the time. Um, so for some people, it's just, uh, I guess, a fact of life. I don't know if that's the case with Sanchez, but having her come off 45 minutes into that game is, that's a significant 45 minutes loss. Cause I feel like they probably would have wanted her to go 90. Um, that's a significant chunk of her time with the spirit so far, because we're talking about game six uh, in her pro career. So um, having her come out didn't help. Um, I think there's something that could work with the midfield that they fielded in that game. It, but it, it's going to take t- some time. I mean, uh, Maggie Dory Howard had a bunch of knocks in Utah, so she didn't play very much. Um, Dorian Bailey has spent most of her pro career playing as a basically a fill in at all kinds of different spots. Um, this is probably her best role, but is that you know where she's going to be when everyone's healthy? It's not not clear right now because um, when everyone's healthy, I feel like it probably is DiBiase, Sullivan, and Bailey Feist. So. Dorian Bailey, I, I have to say their full names to differentiate because people will get confused very quickly. Um, so Dorian Bailey is going to have to probably look at, I mean, there's, there is a opening at fullback right now um, with the other injuries because the, the spirit were injured at like two spots that they are pretty short at. Um, so it, it definitely had an impact on what this game meant as a learning exercise. Um and I, I think they were left frustrated because I think I think they were caught in two minds as to how much they wanted to just win all the fall series games uh, to build that side of the the mindset of a team that just wins a bunch of games versus using it as an educational experience. And it doesn't have to be either or, but um, I think they kind of got caught in the middle between the two. And I noticed even post game that a shift, the, the pregame comments were more leaning towards winning 
And the post-game comments were a little more leaning towards learning some lessons for young players and, and that kind of thinking. So um, I think, it, honestly, there's a lot of similarity there um, because we, like, we're recording this on Wednesday. It could be that tomorrow the Red Stars release a roster and they're like, yeah, the following players are injured and our travel roster will be like Sky Blues, which was 14 field players for goalkeepers, um, which is bizarre. Um, but they just, I mean, Sky Blue is just like, these are the players we have. We just happen to have four goalkeepers, so we're bringing everybody. Um, yeah, one of the funny ones for us until we get a roster is that um, Chicago has three goalkeepers and two of them are on loan. So right now they technically have uh, one and it's a listener. So, okay. yeah, they so should. we'll, it's a we'll good, That's a good speak. one goalkeeper. Yeah. That's a good right. one goalkeeper to have, guys. They should consider, if they want to back up, they should consider calling Sky Blue and asking just if someone could just one come down. Yeah. yeah, just make the drive down. Um, it's it's not too bad of a drive, generally speaking. Uh, they, they won't, you know, it's not the worst case scenario. Right. Um, but I think kind of on this note, um, and we were talking before that we got started, um, Chicago, because of the way they approached the Challenge Cup, um, Chicago and the Spirit were two of the teams most affected by the late schedule shift when Orlando dropped out, and they took different paths to how they handled it. The Spirit just tried to play through it as an obstacle. They said, we're going to rotate some, but not a lot. Uh, Chicago said, we are rotating everyone, and they meant it. Uh, they rotated everybody. Um, and so on the one, one hand, that is crazy. But on the other hand, a lot of these players got like some valuable minutes in by getting a real start against, you know, Portland. This wasn't, and it, you know, I'm looking at the lineup from that game and this wasn't like a heavily rotated Portland. This was Lindsay Horan was available. Uh, Christine Sinclair played from the start. Um, so what did those games do for those players? Because I, I, I feel like it's reasonable to expect that a lot of those players are going to be starting on Saturday. Yeah. In some capacity. Um, yeah. Yeah, some, for sure. In some way, shape, or form. Yeah. It's gonna we're gonna see likely maybe a combination of what we saw, you know, in Portland, but maybe more what we saw in that first game against Spirit. I mean, there was rotation even within that first game. I think they rolled mm -hmm. out with a starting eleven game game one of Challenge Cup against the Spirit. Uh, with maybe some names and faces that they didn't expect. I mean, we saw, you know, Bianca St. George's getting that start. You know, they threw Zori Morris out there. They said, here you go, mm -hmm. kid, you know, have some fun. And, um, you know, put her under really bright lights when you're talking about a player going up against a player like, like Rose Lavelle, right? So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe we see a combination of that. I, I, I really do think it's just going to be an extension, a continuation of what we saw in Challenge Cup, that the Red Stars are utilizing 2020 as as really how they probably always intended to use this year, which is as mm -hmm. a building year. That the, we've heard them refer to that, even the players as such. Everyone's on brand, right? So <laughs> I think that's just that's just going to be what it is. I mean, speaking with Scott Parkinson in our previous episode for Southside Trap, he basically alluded to that as well, and actually shouted out a player like Zoe Moore. So. Um, yeah, I think we're just going to end up seeing a continuation of that. I just hope it looks a little bit more fluid, you know, than what we mm -hmm. were seeing during the tournament. Yeah. Um, I think probably what you're going to see based on what we heard from Scott and, and just kind of the vibe that we're getting, 
Um, I think you're going to see a younger Red Stars team a little bit, certainly in this first game. I think they might, you know, talk about similarities still. I, I mean, I think that all three of these teams in this this division have a lot of similarities, but um, mm-hmm. you're going to see a bit of a younger squad. I think you're going to see, um, you know, Parkinson talked Zoe, Zoe Morse up a lot, said that she's going to get some serious time um, at center back for Chicago. Um, and, and the great thing with someone like her actually is that she got lit up on the spirits first goal of the challenge cup, which mm-hmm. that's useful too. Um, yeah. and so we talk a lot about the, the tenacity of, of that Portland game and how they didn't concede and all of that sort of stuff. But if you consider all of this to be a learning experience, um, you know, yeah, if you look at the tenor of Chicago's challenge cup, they basically refused to play by the rules during the group stage. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And didn't get last and actually then made it all the way to the final. So I think that, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can look at that. I mean, some of those for us were frustrating. Maybe it would have been a different experience if they had really tried to win. But um, I think that what it does mean is that Chicago's depth was tested and like held up pretty well. And I think that we're going to see more of that. And we're going to see more of that. So I would say that, you know, if we were talking about these games like they were competitive, um, people should not expect Chicago to be like, yes, we're going to go win because that's not what they're <laughs> going to do. That's not that hasn't been the vibe all year. Um, mm-hmm. They're going to try to keep people healthy. Um, a big thing that they're trying to do is they're trying to help develop players who are coming back from injury and or who did have really good challenge cups. They're trying to keep that going. Um, and I think that you are going to see that depth get uh, get some time. And so the question will be, you know, yes, they got that one game against Portland and they did really well. Um, but they also now haven't played for two months. Whereas the spirit, I feel like a little bit have at least like they, you know, they had that one really fabulous game against Houston. Like they at least mm-hmm. have had some stuff that starts to feel like the project coming together. Whereas I think for Chicago, we're still looking at players like getting looks. So you, you bring up, um, or it kind of brings to mind what you're saying kind of brings to mind um, a couple players in particular. It's kind of for two different reasons. Um, at the challenge cup, Michelle Vasconcelos didn't really play very much because she was coming back from an injury. Um, and the other player I'm thinking of is, is Kayla Sharples who drew quite a bit of praise on what I'm pretty sure was her first pro start. Is that right? The Portland game? For start, the, yeah. For yeah, for yeah. Start? Yeah. 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 She's played um, before, but that was the first time right. she played a full game. Um, so those are two players that I, that I found myself thinking earlier today. Like it feels to me for no particular reason. I mean, like, you know, like we've established, it could be like, yeah, both players are injured. They're not going to play in this game. Um, but they may, uh, they may well be uh, participating um, what do these games mean for those two? Because on one hand, you've got a player that is more established, uh, but has to come back from that injury. And on the other hand, you've got a player who maybe was just starting to push her way a little closer, but also like you guys said, uh, Zoe Morse plays the same position. If she's getting talked up, is there a place for Sharples to continue that progress? Or was that maybe just a, a big game and not necessarily a sign for the future? 
So we've got a great answer for you there because I'm so sorry, Jason, one? but she's also not here. Uh, okay. <laughs> Kayla Charbels is in Finland right now. Um, representing. But, but no, no, but this is maybe, but it does maybe answer your question, which is that I think right. perhaps the team came together and the conversation was for Sharples. If you'd like to get game time, I think maybe alone might be the best way to do it. Um, because what we're anticipating, I think for the most part is, and I don't know exactly who's going to be starting at center back. I mean, they also have Hannah Davison, who is another option mm -hmm. there um, on Saturday for sure. But I think the ultimate goal would be to have Sarah Gordon as the main, the focal point of that central defense. And I don't know, again, she's another one. She joined training late. I don't know if what, what timeline she's on and then have somebody else next to her. Um, so, so yeah, so that answer is that I think that Chicago decided that Sharples would be better served um, going elsewhere. Mm. Um, and that's then, familiar. We've, we've got, we've had a case of that recently Yeah, uh, out here. So yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. So I think, yeah. yeah, I think that those, and I think that those conversations are productive and also useful when you think about terms of like the expansion draft and stuff like that, and just kind of seeing what everybody's got. Um, remind me, who was the other player that you mentioned there? Uh, Michelle Vasconcelos. Ah, uh, Vasconcelos. Um, I don't have, I don't know. I don't, I have no idea, uh, what the plan is with Michelle Vasconcelos. Um, other than that, I know that Alyssa Motz's second ACL tear really freaked Chicago out when that happened right before the challenge cup occurred. Mm -hmm. And so that shaded everything they did with Michelle Vasconcelos, um, during the tournament. And so, um, Good, I think that she's gotten more time, but yeah, I I have no idea. I really don't know what the vision is there at this point, other than just the same deal where they're just trying to keep, you know, no no soft tissue injuries, nothing like that. Um, and then that also leads to the question of like, can a player get in form in this series? <laughs> is that a thing that can happen? Pro probably not. Uh, if we're being honest, um, the the weirdness of it, the fact that these teams weren't training as of like three weeks ago is when training right. just kicked up again. Um, you know, I know speaking to some of the spirit players, it's definitely a thing where, you know, some of them that have that want to take that next step. Um, Paige Nielsen was just on the teams, um, the, sh the team show that they do with uh, Richie Burke, where she was talking about the prospect of possibly taking the next step for her, which is getting into the national team picture. Um, so if that's, if you're in that place, then yeah, every single game does, you know, it has a certain individual pressure um, and you want to be as close to your best as possible. Um, but if you're maybe not quite there, um, these games are, I, I don't even know what they are. I mean, I know that, you know, the mindset of a, a professional is such that they're going to take them seriously. It's not to imply that anyone's like, ah, screw this. It's a, it's, I'm going to go out there and goof off for 90 minutes. Um, but there is a certain difference that's hard. It's hard to replicate that pressure of like, this could be how I make my next step in my career um, versus like, I know at the end of these four games and the end of this series of training that I'm going to be roughly where I am anyway. Um, it is hard to pretend that that's not the case. Um, but that is part of being an athlete is sort of telling that lie to yourself to be ready to go. So um it is, I, I'm curious about it from Chicago's perspective, because I also know that there's a lot going on outside. I mean, there, it's the case for everybody, but there's a lot going on outside. Um, the team went through, I, it seemed like maybe a tougher challenge cup off the field than most other teams. 
Um, it seemed maybe that they were really dealing with the various issues, not just not just the bubble, but also the issues of racism, the issues of trying to have that discussion within the group. Um, do you get the feel that they've made any, I is kind of an abrupt segue, but do you get the feeling that they've made any progress as a group there? Or is it still something where they're trying to figure out that for themselves? Because I know the spirit are still maybe chipping away, but it's still, they're going through it. It's not a, you know, they're not all like we're, we've, we think we've all got to the, to the uh, finish line on this. I think that, um, I want to preface this by saying that I actually think that this isn't just a Chicago thing. I think this is very much like a, a league wide thing, online mm -hmm. clubs involved, uh, especially coming off of the week that week or two weeks ago that we just witnessed with, you know, so much going on within other various professional sports leagues when it came to players wanting to, you know, take collective action to try to enact change, you know, within mm -hmm. the black community. Um, I think that the optics of the first game between Spirit and Chicago maybe impacted the team in a certain type of way, right? I don't think that's mm -hmm. unfair to, su to suggest and, and talk about as you kind of brought up here. You know, you had two matches happen on that opening day and you had a Portland and North Carolina team that for the most part uh, sent a very a unified message and then you had a, a Washington spirit team and a Chicago team that looked fragmented right and mm -hmm. it just wasn't a good look for the league period and uh what we saw last weekend right with sky blue and spirit was something completely different what kind of grew out of challenge cup I think is what is most important to focus on um mm. I think yeah you can go back and and want to wonder like wow like that was really stressful that was Clearly very hard for, you know, a team maybe specifically like Chicago. And it was. Uh, I'm not here to sugarcoat that it was. I mean, it was. I mean, there were multiple players went on record, said that it was. Whether it was with Southside Trap Podcast or maybe some of the work that I was doing for CBS. Multiple players had said this. Part of the Black Players Coalition uh, forming and coming out grew from some of the strife that happened within challenge cup between teams and the very difficult conversations that they were having or struggling to have period. I think when you look at a team like Chicago under the larger lens of the city that they represent, all of that is a certain type of responsibility. You have to be built a certain type of way when you come from this city. And for a lot of these players, majority of them, I'm going to say like 90% of them, um, if they're not already calling Chicago home, like literally born within Chicagoland, they've adapted themselves into adopted children of Chicago. Um, whether you have like players like Aaron Wright, who literally settled down and had a family here, or a player like Danny Colaprico, who has called this place a home away from home since she got drafted in 2015. There's mm. a certain type of responsibility that comes with being a player in this club and they speak to that a lot and it's because of the type of city Chicago is and it, it's a city unlike maybe some other communities across this country that has gone through some things whether that is uh, dealing with social justice issues whether that's dealing with uh, issues of gun violence in general within the city 
you know, police brutality amongst the, the black and brown communities within the city. It's a lot and it's constant. And that's what I mean when I say you have to be built a certain type of way from the city because you have to be able to be receptive to that constantly. It doesn't turn off. The lights don't go off. It doesn't, doesn't, doesn't happen. So when you go to bed, you are going to bed thinking about the city. And then when you wake up, you're hearing about all the city. It's not stopped. So yeah, there's, you gotta be built a certain way. There's a certain type of weight that comes. I mean, this is a team that calls themselves the red stars. They're literally Mm. uh, carrying the, the city's flag on their, on their chest. And uh, that's difficult. And I think that what we saw within the Challenge Cup was that a lot of these players, as the team kind of sort of grew into the tournament and all of a sudden found themselves knocking on a final, was that they really, really just wanted to put strong performances together and try to represent and maybe in a sense give back to their their city from a distance. Because for a lot of them, they couldn't wait to return Mm -hmm. to be able to kind of integrate themselves and put in work within communities here. So do I think that affects the red stars on the pitch? Not necessarily. Do I think that that's something that they have themselves as players integrated themselves with and kind of adopted on their own? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And as someone who covers them, I'm grateful for that. I love that there are players on this team who understand and not only accept, but live what it means to, to kind of represent this city. If I can just add one, one more thing. Um, this is not, again, not Chicago specific, but what I think we've seen maybe the difference for league wide um, from the beginning of the challenge cup to now is not necessarily about, you know, reading, books or Mm -hmm. having conversations i think they've learned a lot about collective action um i think that this was not a league that was particularly well versed in how unions work or how coalitions work or the need for labor to unite um and the power of that and how also fragmented labor force can be really hurtful to a cause and i think that that element is not it's not something that's taught in schools it's not something that a lot of these women would have come across in their lives and i think that you know when you hear about the black players coalition talk about learning from the wmba and and stuff like that i just think that the the learning curve i'm more i'm less interested at this moment in the learning curve of white players who realized 2 months ago that racism exists and more about what the people who have come to that, you know, come to that realization already, what they've learned about what can be done and the power that they actually have. Because Mm -hmm. one of the larger stories of women's soccer is players feeling like they don't have a voice at all and that they need just to be really grateful for the opportunities that they're given. And so I think that what we've seen in Chicago a lot and what I think we're seeing throughout the league from players like Kaya McCullough and and Midge Purse and, and, you know, from all the members of the, NWSL, uh, the black players of the NWSL coalition is that they're understanding that they are stronger together. They can unify their voice and there are actual avenues to that, that have been going on for years and years and years, and they can learn from elders Mm -hmm. in this space. And so I think that that's what I've seen more than anything from then until now is that this doesn't have to be 
every single person on their own spilling their guts out to get noticed. It can be actual collective action. And that in a lot of ways is a lot more effective and a lot more powerful. I also do really just want to add, as we just came off of Labor Day, right? Mm -hmm. A holiday that exists because of the city of Chicago, where workers unionized to fight for their rights. You know, I don't, I'm not unsurprised at all that Chicago as a club, because they're connected to the city that they represent, have been constantly looked to as a team that needs to be the example of growth. And Mm. I just want to go on record and say that I think that A, that's a little bit unfair, but B, I get it. I get it. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's why I wanted to preface with whatever Claire and I just jumped into is that this actually isn't the Chicago thing. This is a league-wide thing. Mm -hmm. All nine clubs need to be having those conversations, right? And they need to be pushing that envelope. And if they aren't finding themselves as invested within a market or a city as maybe players like Chicago's are, they should have those conversations and find out the reasons why. Mm. And in- integrate that as part of their own collective team culture. So, um, you know, I think on the other side of that, Jason, from us to you, like, do you see this type of stuff kind of impacting the spirit? Because, I mean, they were the team on, on the other side on that match yeah. they won in, in Challenge Cup. Are you seeing growth? Are you maybe seeing some of that stuff still affecting the team? Are they coming out of it? What are you seeing from that? Uh, I think I think they are more a cohesive group than they were because, you know, in the off season they had several, I mean, they, I think it was 11 to 12, I want to say 12 players that were new. Um, And for a lot of them, because COVID happened um, right after or started to happen for real, right after they left for Florida. Um, And so they got to Florida and they actually got two, two and a half weeks to sort of, start to form some bonds, but a lot of that is still that early new soccer teammate bond stuff. You're not really getting into um, a lot of deeper issues. Um, It's more like, Oh, you like this kind of movie? That's cool. Um, And that's about it. Um, So that stuff does help. um, But it's not the same thing as what we're talking about right now. And I think over the course of the year, um, they are starting to work as a group. Um, whether that's, uh, you know, there was the photo of both teams from Saturday wearing the shirts that, uh, Natasha cloud somehow via magic, uh, managed to get, uh, get to the, the state, get done, completed into the stadium in time for the game. Um, but before that, uh, the spirit had actually, um, had planned on doing their own statement. They made their own shirts, um, as a group. And so every single player on the team was going to put something on the back that they felt like spoke to, because the front of the shirts all say black lives matter. And then the back, they all have something different. Um, and it was going to be what they felt spoke to the topic, you know, the topic sentences on the front of the shirt and the back is something that they think could relate to that and, and help support um, the whole community on that issue. Um, and I think they still plan on doing this where it's going to be the individual players are going to come forward with their statement on why they chose what they chose, what cause um, can locally or nationally that can be supported to help, you know, deal with that, um, 
help improve things from the angle that they're choosing. Um, and I don't think that would have happened at the, at the start of the Challenge Cup. That was not going to happen. Um, I think they were still a team trying to be a soccer team first and not a group. Um, you know, we're talking about collective action. Um, I feel like team sports especially are so conducive to that um, where it should be, it should be one of those things that almost like clicks very quickly. Like, no, I get it. Um, you know, but at the same time, uh, as, as I think Claire said, um, a lot of these players, you know, women's soccer comes from a heavy, um, well-to-do white background. And a lot of these players just have not had to deal with this before. They just haven't encountered it. Uh, and so it's all new. And I think in some cases, some, some players are learning this stuff for the first time, which is not, you know, not really good for America, that that is a thing that people get into their twenties and don't know about. Um, but on the other hand, I do think that the team's leaders have kind of tried to get the group together to try and really, uh, figure something they can do out something they can do as a group um because it is going to be a bigger deal if they speak as a team rather whereas if it's one player the voice kind of gets lost um so i think they've made progress after the challenge cup um i think maybe the challenge cup got them to realize that they were not maybe maybe they thought they were in a certain place but they weren't quite there um and it kind of made it clear to them like oh we're not really what we thought um, but we can get there. We just have to do some more work. Um, and it seems like they've done it. Um, but it has been, it's hard to get a read this year because we've got so little direct access. I mean, this, this game on Saturday was the first time I've seen any of these people with my own eyes since the draft. Um, so it's a, it's a feel, it's a guess, but, um, I, I do get the sense that the club itself as an organization also wants to, um, I think they want to follow the player's lead. So if the players want to collectively make a difference in some, in some way, then the club is going to back them and not necessarily say, let's, let's steer towards this other issue that is maybe a little less, um, maybe going to put fewer people off because there are some things that need to get done right now that are going to put some portion of the fan base off. Um, and the clubs have to make that decision for themselves. Are they willing to do that? Um, and it seems like the spirit at this point are um, we're having a little bit of a moment in DC soccer specifically where DC United has taken a big lead um, maybe more than most MLS clubs on this. And they've had some fans that are like, I don't, I don't like this. I don't want you talking about these things anymore. And they've been like, okay, good. There's other teams. Good luck. Um, which is cool. Uh, I'm glad to see it, but uh, you know, the spirit are maybe not, they may be one step uh, shorter down the path than than dc is to use that comparison um but that, i think they're getting there um i see signs of it it just you know the challenge cup itself i think they were not necessarily thinking that it was going to be as obviously a big deal as it was i think they were there for a soccer tournament um and they did not realize that there would be so much other stuff going on but you know to their credit once they figured the surprise of that to themselves out they started to they didn't just say, Oh, I had no idea. And then move on like that, that covers it. They then started to say, okay, we need to get to work on this. So I hope that that's, that's true. That's my read on it, but you know, I'm on the outside. I could have it wrong. Um, but I do, this does bring me to a question that has been on my mind, which is both of you, when I've spoken to you, 
um, over the years, it's always been there. There's like the idea of what is a red star. And most teams in the league can't say that for sure. I think the thorns have that to a certain extent. Um, North Carolina has developed their own thing. You can't say what is a courage because it doesn't work grammatically, but what they have their thing. <laughs> um, but I think the red stars, it's very clear that there is, there is an, a concept of what, what makes a red star player? What, what is it to be a part of that team? Uh, what does that team as a group, what does it st- symbolize? So um, I know it's a kind of a big uh, 30,000 feet question, but what does that mean to, to you covering the team? What does that idea mean? Um, I, I think Sandra and I are going to have some different, some, some slightly similar, but different answers here. The first thought that actually comes to my mind is um, one of the things that I think Portland and Chicago have in common now, this hasn't always been true, mm-hmm. is that they have a very engaged supporters group. And so part of the modern definition of what a red star is kind of like the thorns is, are they a player and a person that Chicago local one, three, four is like proud to sing about and proud to support. And that is a supporters group with some very specific values. And they're outspoken about those. Um, They are named after a union. They have some very specific Chicago values to their support. Um, and when they were let down during the challenge cup, they expressed that appropriately, but also, you know, in, in a very, you know, serious way. And so I think Mm -hmm. that part of, if you think about off field stuff, and especially in this new kind of 2020 context, I would say to me that part of being a red star is being someone that Chicago local one, three, four looks at and goes like, that's one of ours, that person is with us. And I think that that extends to um, what you see on the field, especially because Chicago has seen some, you know, style changes and stuff like that over the years. Um, A Chicago Red Star is an adult. That's number one. A Chicago Red Star lives in the city of Chicago. No, it's true. They can take care of themselves. Yeah, it is funny, but it is also a thing that like a a player, there are players that get to be professional soccer players and are not actually an adult yet. Yeah. Um, No, Chicago Red Stars are adults who can take care of themselves, who work hard and, but have lives outside of this game. They, you know, there's a, there's this, there's a priority at the club to let people be their own selves. Um, and then you get into the larger conversation of they work hard, they want to win, their feet are on the ground, their head is firmly on their shoulders, um, and they want to play good soccer and they want to work hard for each other. So that's maybe the more traditional answer. I think Sandra will probably be able to speak on that more eloquently than I can. Um, but that's like the, the big thing for me going forward is I'm like, I really think that the the supporters group being on brand on message with a value system that they expect their team to uphold is part of what makes that reality true in addition to coaching staff and stuff like that so i don't know what do you think sandra no i i agree very much i like the the component that you brought in with with the fan base with the supporter group i think it is important to know that it's a supporters group that, you know, yes, 
was born out of rooting for the Red Stars and supporting the Red Stars. But, you know, similarly to the club, has deep ties to the city and named after a union specifically. And um, I think that's very important to note when you're talking about Red Stars culture and how that connection is there. Um, I always like to think about the players that actually aren't from here, right? Because there's so many that have kind of grown up adjacent to the city. You got a lot mm. of Naperville kids and Elk Grove kids and so on and so forth, you know, more North Burb kids who as adults, like <laughs> Claire said, have made the active choice to now live within the city and like have mm. their lives as live their lives as true Chicagoans, right? Um, being an adult is huge. I mean, there's a reason why Turner Davison is a Chicago Red Star. She's the youngest adult on the team. <laughs> uh, right. And next to right. then you could mm. put her right next to probably Alyssa Nair in that sentence. Right. Um, but yeah, I think of, I think of players like Danny Colaprico. I think of players like Aaron Wright. I think of players like Jen Hoy, who spent so many of her professional NWSL career here in the city with the Red Stars. And she was a player that I did ask about that. I mm. remember speaking with her prior to one of the many, right, semifinals that they went to and asking her specifically, like, what what does that mean? And I love that she's an Ivy League kid, Princeton, mm -hmm. right? And I I knew if anyone could answer that question, it would be Jen Hoy because I framed it in a way where, can you tell me what it means to be a rest star and not use the words blue collar or hardworking <laughs> mm -hmm. or gritty or grinder? You can't use those words, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, it was a challenge that she was up to and she she basically said, well, we hear a lot about the Red Stars culture now. You know, it's it's about never being satisfied. And they're not. <laughs> Part of that is that they set themselves up to never be satisfied, right? Mm -hmm. There's always something to work towards. There's always something to build upon. Um, she also mentioned uh, to strive for excellence and to not settle for less. And another similar jersey kid in, in Danny Colaprico echoed that for me this year, like when we were talking a little bit in Challenge Cup, you, when you're a Red Star, you have to kind of fight a little bit for everything that you earn, that nothing really comes easy. And a part of that is because of how they're, they're built and how they kind of flesh out their games, that they want to be this team that's constantly hard to play against. You hear a lot about how the Red Stars are very, very organized, how they're a difficult team to break down. They're a team that you can beat. That's that's been apparent, right? Um, but they're a team that don't that don't make it easy. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's important to just recognize um those players who don't necessarily you know, come from Chicago that weren't Eclipse kids or had their background in a, a Midwest school. These players who have sort of come from these other places and have been with the team for a certain amount of time, they they really do kind of show. And I think that a player like Coloprico is one of those players where a mm -hmm. supporters group like Local 134 can point it and say, that is one of our own. And this is a kid out of Jersey and not a player like Casey Short or Sarah Gordon, right? Um, so it's uh, it's been really cool to see. It's been really great to cover. And I think it's very, very dope that 
now, so many years later in NWSL's existence, right? Eight, eight years that when people talk about the concept of a team culture, they think about a place like Chicago and a club like the Red Stars who have had tried to build that from day one mm. and then focus on winning games. So for them, it was about community first. And then it was about trying to win some games. So I, I, I want to add just one more thing. I know we're like talking over each other, but um, uh, uh, to add to my list of Chicago Red Stars or adults, um, if you're looking for something on the field, Chicago Red Stars defend. That's a Chicago Red Star. If you're a Chicago Red Star at any line, you're defending. And so when even when you're watching the college game or you're watching, you know, WPSL or whatever, and you see someone who's working their ass off to grunt if they made a mistake, they're running back and they're they're making the recovery run, or they're like sacrificing their body on turf to like get the ball out of play, that's a red star. So I think that when we're taught we talked a lot about locker room culture, but number one, and this is a Roy Dames thing, you can't play for the Red Stars if you're not defending always. Um, and that's also, I think, tied to the idea of like, if you think you're too good to defend, you gotta, gotta get out of here, man. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta be willing to do that. <laughs> I like to think that if there's a checklist for, uh, potential players who want to be red stars, like an application that they have to fill out. And one of them's like, do you like defense? Yes or no. And <laughs> they check no, that, 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 that application automatically goes in like the reject pile. That's absolutely yeah, it is unfortunate. That's just how that's you have to defend an NWSL, and I think Chicago yeah. have have known that. Um, these are long winded answers, but you're no, it's it's a, it's a big question, um, and it's one that you know I, the teams I mentioned, you know, Chicago, Portland, North Carolina. It's no care. It's no accident that they are also always in the playoff picture, um, and I think it does stem from this, and I think that the other teams in the league are, I think they all realize that they have to figure out this out for themselves to, you know, what, what makes a spirit player? Um, what is it to be a member of the Washington spirit is being figured out, but they're not quite as defined as the concept of what is a red star or what is a thorn? Um, I think Houston, you know, I think of the challenge cup, I think they started to show some signs of figuring that out as well. Um, and, you know, there are teams like, you know, Orlando struggled so badly last year. And I think part of it was it was unclear what they were other than a group of people that had some soccer games to play. Um, and maybe that's that's, a um, you know, looking at the spirit as an organization. Um, I think that's something they had to figure out. You know, they kind of blew the whole thing up um, after 2018. They got new owners, new coaches, new players. Um and it it had to happen because you don't have a season like the 2018 spirit without having some major problems that are not just we're not not the best soccer team because there have been times where Chicago hasn't been the best soccer team um, that they've still gotten through and gotten some decent results out of it because they have this to fall back on. Um, and that's something that when I think about how can the spirit get into that group, because that was this year coming into this year back in uh, the distant times of like February. Um, that was like a major thing is like, well, the spirit seem to be best positioned to be that team to join that front three, but how do they do that? And this is what I come back to is it's not even so much about, um, you know, can, can the number eight connect a certain number of passes? It's nothing, it's not really about that so much as it is, um, having that defined culture and, and, you know, the spirit have made some real headway on that because before, uh, 
you know, back to 2017, 2018, it was not even 2016. Um, that team's culture was more about having a bunch of talented individuals playing really well. Um, and they liked to be together as a team. Maybe they didn't like to be under their coach um, or uh, some things like that, but they did like to be together and that was a big help, but it wasn't, it wasn't going to be a long-term thing. Um, whereas, you know, these, the, the three teams that have their super defined culture, I think um, they're the teams that the rest of the league needs to look to and say, how can we, we can't take that. We can't be the same. Um, we're not going to be the same, but how can we figure out how to get that level of culture ensconced here? Um, and so that's something I think about the spirit a lot is they're, they're making strides in that direction, but how, how long does that take? Um, and, you know, as Sandra said, it started day one in Chicago and that's a big deal. Um, and that's something that you can't replicate. So it might take a little longer, even if, even if the spirit go out and find, you know, the best players they possibly can with their international spots. And they all of a sudden have a roster where you say, well, the roster says they should win the league. Um, but you know, the, the roster doesn't always tell you what's going to happen. Um, I guess, I guess the one other question that I have is another, it's another big picture question. Um, but we, this show and your show both cover independent teams in the league. Um, and it's a different, it's a very different vibe than what we see out of, out of the teams that are partnered with an MLS or USL team. Um, how do you think Chicago is grappling with the fact that they don't have that, quite frankly, wealthier backing that those teams have where they, you know, business-wise in 2020, everyone's going through hard times. Um, I know the Spirit had to go through the Paycheck Protection Program and they were very proud of themselves. They didn't have to let anyone go which is a huge achievement. Um, but it's also like, you know, that's, that's a really tough thing to go through as well as having to worry about that. Um, how is Chicago handling being an independent club in this league in what is this hellish 2020 for so many reasons? Um, well, I think, you know, it's a good, that's a good question because I think that it ties to the question you asked before, which is that I do think that Chicago relies on its culture a lot. Um, and I think that that's not unusual in sports. I think you see that in a variety of different sports when you have teams that, that don't have the, the supply, the, the money supply as much, um, they gotta be smart. They gotta be mobile and they have to create a culture that players want to be in, even if it's not the fanciest, um, and so I think that, I think that Chicago has always succeeded in that respect, um. And I think that that is something that also, quite frankly, the rules in the NWSL support. They support the ability to do that with the draft and with all of that sort of thing. Um, they want people to play smart. They don't necessarily have to to have all of the, you know, be the be the wealthiest team. Um, but Sandra and I talk about this a lot, and I don't think we're saying anything that the team itself doesn't know, um, which is that it's a new it's a new era that we're moving into, and mm -hmm. um, I know Chicago is, um, they're looking for sponsorship. I know that they're trying to be as aggressive as possible in that regard. Um, and I think part of it though, you know, Sandra and I can't quite answer because the next step hasn't been taken yet. Um, the thing that's always been true about the Red Stars is that the foundation 
is really strong. They have a great roster of players who really want to be there. They've got, you know, a, a GM who knows this space as, as well as anybody in the country other than maybe Vladko Andonovsky. And, um, and, and they've got an, an owner right now who also knows the space really well and, and mm. who would be a good collaborator in that respect. Um, so the answer is, they've been able to do well because of all of the tools that they've kind of already had since the beginning of the league. And then the bigger question is definitely what happens next. I think for the red stars, you have to give them a mulligan on this year. I think they did pretty well just to exist. Mm -hmm. Uh, They got a front of Jersey sponsor, which that was pretty cool. Um, (laughs) And, and then, and then I think you kind of start over in 2021. And so I think that, um, the work in this off season, like we know that Chicago is going to be smart about this expansion draft. There's no way that they're going to not have that go the way that they want it to go, but then what? Right. Um, so yeah, they rely on their culture a lot. Oh, the other thing, and I've said this on Southside Trap a million times, it really helps that you play in the best city in, in the world. <laughs> um, <laughs> it helps a lot. It's a place where people like to live. Um, and so that also really works in Chicago's favor, is that it's a great sports market. It's a great city to live in, especially in the summertime. Um, and that makes it a destination, even if they're not the wealthiest club in the country. Yeah, I think it's... I think that's also part of what makes Chicago's culture its culture, right? That it's one of the last independently ran clubs. And Mm. I think that's one of the things that might make it really endearing for the casual fan or uh, even some of its most loyal supporters, right? Um, But 2020 has been quite a ride. And it's definitely been a learning experience, I think, for everybody involved within the space, whether it's ownership, players, coaches, us as media who do coverage, everybody's learning a whole lot um, within it. And I appreciate uh, a club like Chicago kind of being a bit transparent in that really early on. I mean, we saw an incredibly successful, you know, away kit launch. Right. When the concept of games was like this big question mark, like, what was that going to mean? What were games going to look like? How was that going to play out? And a big part of that was because they were honest and said, could use some revenue right now? That'd be real nice Mm -hmm. to see some dollars coming in. So um, I appreciate that. And on the other side of that, you're like, man, what a tough year. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Signing and having a partner and sponsorship like Meyer is huge. It's huge. Having one of the biggest grocers in the Midwest throw their weight behind you is huge. And um, having more games for the fall series and two of them be in Chicago and one of them be on big network CBS, also very, very huge. And um, also, yeah, just to echo what Claire said, we're learning a lot about what ownership should and maybe shouldn't look like. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're seeing teams that are going to be Coming into this league very soon in a spot like Louisville, you know, big shiny place like L.A. with a lot of big shiny names and um, hearing some of the things and the investigations that are ongoing right now in Utah and how things are probably going to change over there. It's it's all kind of integrating itself together and how you want to move forward and how you look at, at ownership and how things are, are ran around here. So, yeah, I think the concept of the independent club is something that is very, very special, but you know, something happens over time 
with the family, uh, it grows, right? When two parents decide to have a kid, a lot of times they got to move. A lot of times they got to, you know, go ahead and expand and, and find new opportunities, right? So that's not me trying to ring any bells or ring any alarms. I'm just saying that Chicago is one of the last horsemen, right? And they should be very proud of the foundation that they built. They've got an amazing foundation to keep growing and expansion on that house that they've built. It's very strong and there's been a lot of wonderful memories there. So I think that the next phase for independent clubs, you know, and we saw it in a team like OL Rain, right? When they went out and they saw partnership, I think that's probably going to be the next step or should be the next step for Chicago. And I think that's a move that people are going to be looking for. Now, whether or not that happens, it's going to remain to be seen. Uh, it's something that I hope does. Um, it's nice to see clubs like the Rain clubs, like Spirit, go from where they've come from and kind of build on what they've established. So uh, we'll see. I think having these next round of games are going to help maybe kind of iron some things out. And at the very least, maybe, if not answer some prior questions, maybe introduce some different ones, some different questions to take a look at within the offseason. Yeah, I think I think the games being, if you consider the Challenge Cup and in, in, in the fall series, at least at the very least being ads, good ad, you know, for the Red Stars. So I think that <laughs> mm-hmm. helps. Yeah. And, you know, uh, as as we just said, you know, we're talking about CBS, uh, you know, Chicago gets to host one of those games. It's not just they're on there. They actually get it's not the same as hosting it with fans. You don't get to show everything about your team, but it is. I I, I got the sense from the people that work for the spirit face to face, face to face from, you know, a solid 10 feet away, but still face to face that uh, it meant a lot. Um, the challenge of it meant a lot. The fact that it was, uh, it's kind of a, a sign of trust from the league to a certain extent, because they could say, we're going to make sure the CBS games go to the the teams with the biggest staffs. We can we can channel them towards uh, Portland. You know, there's nothing stopping CBS and NWSL from saying Portland gets to host two games on CBS out of the four, and that's that. Um, but the fact that the independent clubs are getting this chance, um, I don't know. I, I can't say for sure if that's you know CBS and NWSL saying we need to make sure these are equally distributed or if it's just uh, a fluke of timing, or if it's a little mix of everything. But um, I can say from the spirit side, it seemed to mean a lot to them that they got to be the team that got to host a CBS game. Um, You know, it's one thing, this weekend's game is not a CBS game, it's on Twitch. Um, And that's still going to be a big deal because they know there's still going to be a lot of people watching, but it's not quite the same as nationally televised on a Saturday in September uh, when everyone is stuck at home. Um, and it, it, it meant a lot to them. I assume it's going to mean a lot in the red stars front office, uh, with everyone that works for the club. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see what they put together for that game. That's game three in the pod. Is that right? Yes. I feel like that's right. Yeah. Um, so it'll, will it be Chicago's second game and sky yes. blue second game, but the third pod game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, that'll be down the road a little bit, but, um, it is kind of a, 
it's it's a nice thing to see that it's not just uh, the Portland's or even you know even a team like Houston that at least has that an MLS front office behind them you know someone to pick up some of that slack. Um, the fact that the league is trusting these independent teams with this is kind of a big deal to me, um, or at least it seems like it is. I, I could be placing a lot of importance on something that they were like, well, that's the date, so that's when the game's going to be. Um, but in any case, I think that's I think that's all I had uh, on my mind. Uh, is there anything you guys wanted to say about the Red Stars or this game that that uh, you feel like people need to know? Here's what I want to know, Jason. Mm-hmm. Because we're going to share some of your insights with Southside Trap listeners. Mm -hmm. Who are the players in the spirit that you think are going to be the players to watch? Who are the players that are going to come and wreck shit up for Chicago? (laughs) Um, You know, I I think uh, when I think of what the spirit um, have become in the last, it's things have changed quite a bit. Um, with Lavelle's departure, with some of the injuries, um, I think Bailey Feist is a going to be a pretty big deal in this game. Um, the fact that you know Chicago is known for being tough to play against and a little physical, um, Bailey Feist sees that and is like, "I'm in. Let's let's actually do this thing." Um, so I think her sort of all action kind of approach to the midfield is a big deal. Um, it's going to be maybe the kind of thing that sets a tone for the spirit, um, especially early. Um, I, I also think, um, you know, a, a player that they need to get going, I would say is Ashley Hatch because she had some, some moments against sky blue. She had some moments in the challenge cup, but they're, they're kind of, there are moments. And then there's a while where nothing's really happening for her. Um, and some of that is the team doesn't quite connect with her at at certain times. There are other times where they do connect with her and she's just not able to quite put her part of that together. Um, It's been sort of hit or miss for her uh, this season. I think there have been some moments where you see her get into an ideal Ashley Hatch position and do really well with that. And there are other times where it's a little, a little slow to start to happen and the setup or or even there are times where the setup looks really promising and she just doesn't quite put it together. Um, This sky blue game, it just looked like everything was a little slow uh, for her. So um, I think if, I I think if the spirit are going to have success against Chicago, they have to be dangerous going forward. It can't just be, well, an average attacking game with the group that they have available um, because Chicago does not give away goals. Um, you have to, like you guys said, you, you have to earn them. Um, and right now it feels like the spirit, they had to do an awful lot to earn a goal in this last game. And this wasn't sky blues best team. Um, this was several, you know, Estelle Johnson wasn't playing. Um, I'm missing, uh, I can't think of the time. They had, they had several players absent. In yeah, McCall's, the, McCall's or Boney's out. She's the other yeah, that's big a, one. That's a them, big, yeah. yeah. So that's two huge you know, players and as far as keeping those um, or as, as far as defending goes, those are huge as, uh, aspects of their team. And I feel like the spirit had to, it felt like very, very hard work um, for them to get the goal that they got. Um, and I feel like Chicago is, you know, as much as their roster is a complete unknown still um, they are at least in who they are as a group, 
that's more defined. That side of the game is more defined for them. And so I expect that job to be harder um, for the spirit this week than last week. Um, so, yeah, I think those are the two most important players that will set the tone for how how are the spirit going to play in this game? How much success can they have? Because if they can't get Ashley Hatch going and if Bailey Feist's performance is more, you know, involved, but not necessarily constantly involved, it's probably going to go badly for them. Um on the the other side of that, if you're seeing a ton of Bailey Feist on both sides of the ball, if you're starting to see Hatch get in behind, find some channels to run, um, all of a sudden, I think that opens things up a lot for the Spirit, um, especially since I think Sanchez is going to play, but I don't know that she's going to play. Um, so if you take her out of the equation, I will say uh, Megan McCool came in, and these were, if I'm not mistaken, her first minutes. Um, I think maybe she played like a very a very short substitute appearance in, in Utah, perhaps. Um, but she came in and did pretty well um, in kind of the same mindset of a Bailey Feist, which is uh, extremely enthusiastic, hardworking, uh, kind of physical, uh, low-key, kind of someone who's constantly getting into little uh, shoulder-to-shoulder collisions, um, someone who's just kind of a pain in the ass to, to play against. Um And maybe that's right now, at least the way forward for the spirit. I don't think that's what Richie Burke wants to do long-term. I think he would like to be the most aesthetically pleasing team in the league. Um, I think that is his actual goal is to not just win the league, but also be the team that everyone loves to watch. Overrated. Um, (laughs) I mean, North Carolina would agree uh, because I think there are times where watching the the courage is not all that fun. You, You see, individual moments with the courage um, where Dabinia or Crystal Dunn does something. You're like, that was incredible. But there are also times where most of watching the courage is about watching them tackle uh, and win the ball over and over again. Um, But yeah, I think right now the spirit aren't equipped to be quite the great entertainers um, and they will have to substitute something else. And what they've got, it, it appears is they've got some capable players who are, a little more obviously hard work players rather than the artist types. Um, so I, I think that might be where this game goes, where it might become a little bit of a, uh, a battle uh, in some ways, because, you know, if you take the spirit players away that, that will, I, I assume are still going to be out in the, for the most part. Um, well, f- I actually, we get to speak with uh, Richie tomorrow. So by the time this comes out, I may already know the answer to this question, but um, you know, if you start to take away the players that they don't ha- that they didn't have against Sky Blue, you start to end up in this situation where it's like, well, how do you make up for that? Um, because you don't have a player who's almost as good at the same exact things. Um, when Rose Lavelle leaves, the replacement isn't a similar player to Rose Lavelle, just not quite as good. It's uh, a player who's you know right now it's Bailey Feist, who is a very different player. Um, Jordan DiBiase was, if you listen to the broadcast, I assume you can hear her yelling from the stands. Um, I did not know her voice could cut through the way it does. She has a very good, uh, yelling voice for soccer in that she is very much a, a player who is encouraging, but also directing and yelling and pointing. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, it was, it was funny during the game to, to, um, glance over and see the spirit players sitting together. And some of them are, they're all watching the game, but you know, some people are having quiet conversations. 
uh, DiBiase was sitting, but constantly like leaning forward in her seat and like yelling loud. Um, and some of it was to try and help organize and some of it was to try and help encourage. So it was, it was, um, it was, it was a pretty cool thing to see. And if she's back that, that changes the spirit quite a bit. Um, but if she's not back, then it becomes more of a, a group effort to, to create because, once you take her off the table, you've got a dribbler in Sanchez and you've got Yokoyama who has a lot of creativity that sometimes this, the team seems to get it. And sometimes they don't seem to get it. They, sometimes they're like, I don't know what you're trying to do. Um, which is another ongoing thing because you have a player who is just, uh, I'm encouraged by the fact that she's been like, she did a, a couple tweets in English recently. Um, but I mean, I can only imagine the ordeal of, deciding to move from Japan to United States to play soccer in 2020 on a team that has no Japanese speakers that I know of. Uh, no one, no one has made it clear to me that they uh, can help translate at all. Um, but the fact that she's growing in comfort, she seems to be kind of, uh, kind of just one of those characters that can kind of adapt to the world. Uh, I, I, I would love to get to speak to her more, but I don't know that She's necessarily at a place where she could do an English language interview. I know I'm not at a place where I could conduct a Japanese language interview. Um, so it might have to wait for a little while. But uh, yeah, the 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 spirit are, I'm fascinated by them right now because I'm not sure they know what to do with the, with the players they've got right now. I think they've got ideas, but it's not necessarily a sure thing. So yeah, I think, I mean, I think if we're, that or not. Yeah, okay. to kind of to kind of pull this back to what we were, you know, the maybe what seems to be the theme of this this episode is if you look at the the teams that the spirit are trying to emulate in wins and 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 postseason appearances, there's a lot to be said uh, about learning to work with what you got. Um, mm -hmm. And and part of being a good NWSL team is letting the ideals go sometimes and 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 switching your direction, even if it's just super short term, to figure out what other things your team can do. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a good game. I don't know. It sounds actually like it's going to be some hardworking, maybe not so pretty <laughs> soccer, guys. Get ready for some ugly soccer. Rock <laughs> and tumble. There might be moments. I think there are going to be moments for both teams where they put something together. Um, it's just I get the feeling that it right now moments are all we can really expect out of any of these teams because you know they got a few weeks of extraordinarily intense uh, bubble life where you didn't even have time to to train very often. It's you know you train one day and then it's it's you know, there's another game coming up um, and then the day after the game everyone has to go recover so there's not really much work being done to get better. Um, and then after that, it was like, well, okay, everyone's been through uh, a lot right now, so you can all go decompress, but then you're not really doing any of that. You're not getting better as a team when you go decompress. You're just trying to fix your mental health, um, and then you come back, and it's like a couple weeks, and get back out there. Good luck. Um, and so I, I will say I think the game this past Saturday was a better game than I thought it was going to be, which is also what happened at the Challenge Cup. Um, but at the same time, I, you know, Chicago is kind of an unknown to a certain extent, even though there's also, they're, they're an unknown and they're not an unknown. The specifics are unknown, but the broad stuff I think is very well known. Um, the spirit, I think, 
I know they're going to try and play possession soccer. Um, the the last time they didn't do that actually was against the Red Stars in uh, it was 2019, and it was a home game. Chicago came and they beat the Spirit. I think it was like July, August. I want to say is that the one nothing game? The one nothing game? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And after the game, I, you know, I asked Richie Burke um, because the Spirit had noticeably played very direct. They had changed, you know, their whole way of playing, and I was like. So obviously you went direct tonight and he was like, yeah, you know, we thought it might work. And obviously it didn't work. Um, so he, he took the responsibility. He said, you know, I had an idea in my head. We just, it, it wasn't the right idea. It's my fault that it didn't work. And a couple of days later they had a training session. So I went back and I said, you know, now that you've had time to look at the game again, do you think that you were onto something and it was just, it didn't, you didn't quite get it right. Or was it just a bad idea altogether? And he said, the players, when we had our first meeting after the game, the players were like, we hated playing like that. We will not play like that anymore. Um, and so he was like, I, I guess we're not playing like that anymore. That was the end of that. So um, they, and then at the challenge cup, they went and tried to play the way they want to play against Chicago. They did not try and go long uh, for hatch running, running after long balls all game. So yeah, I, I expect that it's not going to be a, uh, no, this is the time we'll play the long ball stuff because uh, I guess Richie was basically going to get thrown out of the uh, locker room or, or whatever uh, if, if he offered that up again. Um, but I do, I, you know, I wonder in phases, it might be quite, uh, you know, both teams are capable of playing some really good soccer. It's just, it might be for a couple minutes here and then five minutes of just battling it out. And then we might see another flash at the other end. And it might be one of those is, is the, this is the long answer of, it might be like that. Um, but I don't think it's going to be um, the spirit trying to hoof it. And then the red stars also trying to hoof it the other way. It's not going to be one of those. It just might be hard to do exactly what they've got in their heads uh, to the, the level that they're capable of in a, in a real season rather than this bizarre 2020. And we're going to watch it on Twitch. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of bizarre 2020 things, we're going to go on the video game streaming network to, try and experience a soccer game because that's a thing that happens now. I guess before I end the segment, like I was about to end the segment, I should ask you guys, where can people find you online? Where can they uh, re I know you guys do a, both an excellent podcast and also excellent written product. So I want people to, if they can go, go see it. Yes. The name of the podcast is Southside trap. You can find us at Southside trap pod on all social media. We also have a Patreon where you get written work. Um, I did, I did a preview of some players to watch for the red stars this week. We do previews. We do recaps. Um, yeah, that's it. Support the Patreon. You really do get the good stuff and you get it first. So, um, that's where I would say you can find us follow us on follow the it on twitter i guess as well if you'd like <laughs> or hey, don't 2020 is hard we talk yeah. a lot about this year and how it sucks so you know yeah we have a patron please support us if you can there's some really awesome tiers there find one that works for you um if not you could show your support in other ways like you said claire just follow all the socials you know and follow twitter if you like that stuff helps us out a lot so appreciate the time and the space